0: On today's video, I wanna cover specifically how to handle a common and often difficult situation. What do you do when the seller's lowest price is a little higher than what you wanna pay? Do you roll the dice, lock up the deal and give it a try? Or if you can't get your number, do you let it go and not do the deal? Using a real live deal, I'm gonna show you the wrong way and the right way to handle that situation, coming up. 8weekacademy.com to claim your free copy of Jerry Norton's most popular training. In it, he reveals his blueprint for making $100,000 per year with real estate. If this is your first time here, my name is Jerry Norton. I've been a full-time real estate investor now for almost 18 years. Amongst other things, I specialize in flipping houses all across the country and I've helped thousands of new investors get into the game of flipping and create six-figure and even seven-figure incomes. If you want to learn how to flip houses so you can live your dream life, be sure to subscribe to my channel and click the bell icon to get notified when new videos are released. Recently at a live training here in Puerto Rico where I live, while helping one of my elite mentoring students, Mike, with one of his wholesale deals, we ran into a common situation where the lowest price the seller was willing to accept was 180000 but the price we really wanted that we felt made it a good deal was 165000 putting us short about $15,000 on the deal. And to give more context to the situation, this was an on-market property listed for sale with a real estate agent, and the current list price was $225,000. So the fact that the seller went all the way down to $180,000 was a win in and of itself, but still a little high from where we wanted to be. Now, as a side note, this deal confirms why you should always make the offer regardless of list price or regardless of the seller's initial asking price. But Jerry, it's listed for 225,000. It's a waste of time to offer 165. They'll never come down that low. That's my, you're being a big baby voice. Maybe for you they won't, but for me they do all the time. You know why? Two reasons. One, I'm a flipping genius. And two, because I make a lot of offers. And the more offers I make, the more yeses I get. It's a numbers game. I did a deal in New Orleans that was listed for $350,000, and I got it for $250,000. Now, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. The only way to truly find out if a seller is motivated is to put a bona fide offer in front of him. Now, on this deal, after crunching the numbers, we felt comfortable getting the contract for $165,000 to then be able to wholesale it at one hundred and seventy-five dollars to $180,000. But we felt unsure about getting the contract at $180,000, which was the lowest the seller would go. Now, could we find a cash buyer willing to pay more? Maybe, maybe not. And that's the dilemma wholesalers face on a regular basis. It's the classic two-choice dilemma. On one hand, if Mike decides to try and signs a contract with the seller for 180 it could be a big waste of time, energy, and effort and resources. On the other hand, he could put in the work and find a buyer willing to pay more and then wholesale it for a profit. So what's the right choice? Here's the advice I gave Mike about this particular situation. Everything you do has to be filtered through opportunity cost. Opportunity cost means that when you decide to spend time, energy, and effort on this, you're not spending time, energy, and effort on that. And that might give a greater return on investment than this. I told Mike, locking up this deal for 180,000 and trying to wholesale it for more will require using up bandwidth that could be used doing a better and more profitable deal. Think about it this way. All of the time you're spending on this deal may not produce a buyer, and if it does, it may not be for very much, let's say $5,000 as a wholesale fee, but instead you could be spending that time finding a better wholesale deal that makes, let's say, $20,000. There is no right or wrong answer, just awareness. I told him the risk is not losing money or not making money. The risk is if you chase this marginal deal, you're not chasing a better deal, which is fine, just own your decision. So Mike decided to move forward and see if he could wholesale this house for more than 180,000. So now what? Now, it's my humble opinion, which of course is right, that there is a specific way to handle this situation, which I'm gonna explain in detail. I actually called the agent on Mike's deal, which we'll cut to in a minute, so keep watching. But first, let me explain the wrong way to handle this situation, which unfortunately is what many wholesalers do. The wrong thing to do is to accept the seller's price and execute a contract for 180,000 and then communicate to the seller that you will buy his house for 180,000 cash, but since you don't know if you actually can perform to protect yourself in case you can't find a cash buyer, you add a contingency in the contract or what I call a weasel clause, which allows you to easily back out and terminate the contract all the way up until the day of closing without any repercussions. That way, if you do happen to find a cash buyer for more than 180000 you move forward and close, and if you can't find a cash buyer, oh well, you gave it your best shot, terminate the contract, and move on to a better deal. Meanwhile, the seller packed up his entire house into the U-Haul in his driveway, ready to move. You know what? This seems like a great time for a tangent. I promise I'll keep it short. This very thing I just described has been happening for a while, but lately it's getting a lot of national attention and giving the wholesaling industry a bad rap with the regulatory and consumer protection agencies. Now I've been talking about this extensively on my channel. It's what led to recent laws in Atlanta and Philadelphia to protect homeowners from wholesalers and it could derail the entire industry. As a business practice, wholesalers are executing contracts with sellers with no means of performing on those contracts, which is being viewed by many as fraud, and then backing out of those contracts when they can't find real cash buyers, which is harmful to sellers. Now, I heard about a wholesaler in Houston who executes dozens of contracts with sellers every month, but on average only closes one in 10 of those contracts, leaving nine out of 10 sellers high and dry. The strategy is to fling mud at the wall and see what sticks to lock up everything and anything and see if you can find a buyer. Not only is that rude, unfair, and potentially harmful to sellers, it's just bad business. Stop doing that. Now, I did a video explaining the five ways wholesalers are dishonest and unethical with sellers. I strongly suggest you watch that video because you may be doing harmful things, even if unintentionally. I'll put the link to that video in the description box below so you can watch it later. Okay, tangent over. That wasn't so bad. So let me explain the right way to handle this situation. It isn't signing a contract for 180,000 that is bad or wrong. It isn't having a contingency that allows you to get out of the contract that is wrong or bad. What's wrong and bad is not disclosing your intentions and not making it clear to the seller or agent. That is what is wrong or bad. Now let me show you what this looks like. Here is the dialogue or a script that you can use. Mr. Seller or Agent, I understand that the lowest you can go is 180,000, and I'd really like to see if I can make that number work, but I don't know if I can. If you're willing, let's put an agreement in place for 180,000, then give me some time for me to do due diligence to see if I can make that number work. Let's put in the contract a 10-day inspection contingency. During those 10 days, I'll crunch all the numbers and I'll do everything I can to try and make 180000 work. If I can, we'll move forward and close according to the terms of the contract. But Mr. Seller or Agent, I want to be crystal clear. If I'm not able to make 180000 work, I will let you know on or before the 10 days and I will exercise my due diligence contingency and terminate the contract. Is that clear? Do you have any questions about that? Repeat it back to me so that I know you understand. If the seller wants fully aware of your intentions and the purpose of your contingency, agrees to those terms, enter into a contract. Assuming he does, follow through. Schedule a day and time to go to the property with your cash buyers and also invite several contractors. Not only will that honor what you said to the seller, but those contractors can be helpful and part of the conversation with your cash buyers and help you understand all of the issues with the property. If cash buyers are unwilling to pay more than 180,000, find out why. Get as much feedback as you can. Maybe it was because the rehab was too much. Maybe they didn't like the floor plan. Maybe there wasn't enough parking or the yard was too small or the street is too busy or whatever reasons make it not a good deal. Then when you go back to the seller or agent during your due diligence period, you have specific reasons why it's not a deal, not just because you couldn't find a buyer. You actually have concrete reasons why 180,000 doesn't work And my experience is if the seller is open-minded and motivated enough, and if your reasons are logical and compelling enough, in many cases, the seller will agree to come down on the price and you can still get your deal done. Now, if your deal is on market, the agent will handle a price reduction or a termination of contract. If you're doing a private seller deal, then be sure to get my price reduction and termination of contract addendums so that you do things the right way in writing. Now, I'll give those addendums to you for free Download links in the description box below. So let me show you how to explain the contingency and properly disclose your intentions. Take a listen to the conversation I had with Mike's agent on his deal and how I made it clear to her that if I can't make 180000 work, I would not move forward with the deal. I think if you present an offer for one hundred eighty, I can really work my way to her. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not sure we can make that work. I mean, if we did it, I would have to just make sure you're super clear that if I can't make it pencil, then we'll need to be able to back out of it. But as long as of course. I'm super yeah, up front about upfront about that, no one's mad at me about it, you know. If I'm at one eighty, I'm gonna need, you know, at least a at least a ten day inspection and I'm gonna use every bit of that ten days and try to get try to get my numbers all dialed in. That's fine. That's Cause, fine. cause I'm going to have to try to cut, to cut corners. To Cause I really want to be at 160, which means I got to save money on my rehab now. So I got to try to get all my bids and get numbers lower. And I mean, what do you think it's going to cost to rehab this? I'm saying you're looking at 60 to 70. Yeah. So if I can be down there closer to 60 and that's a legit number that I can confirm, you know, 180 might work. But again, I just want to make sure. I just wanna make sure I'm really clear with you. For us during our ten days, if we can't get it to pencil right, then one eighty is gonna to be too high. So I just just wanna make sure we're not i not misleading you at all on So let's come up with some let's come up with some wording then. Come up with some wording already. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll put it, it in the we'll put it what? in the terms we send over to you. So we'll put this together and we'll get it over right. to you. Yeah, send it to me in a text with your email, okay? Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Notice not once, but twice I told the agent that during the 10 day due diligence, if I find out that 180,000 doesn't work, I'm going to back out. I wanted to make sure that it was crystal clear. Now, if you thought it was helpful to see me explain the contingency to that agent on a live call and you'd like to see more examples like that, leave a comment and say, Jerry, I love when you show live examples, you are a flipping genius. So after the call, Mike sent over the offer sheet, which has all of the terms and clauses for her to include in the offer. If you'd like my offer sheet to use when making offers to agents, as well as my infamous agent scripts, I'll give those to you for free. Just go to agentofferscripts.com. By the way, Mike actually made the offer for $175,000 and the seller countered at $179,000 and Mike accepted. So now we'll see what happens next. But since this is on market and we were working directly with the listing agent, a purchase and sale agreement with a clear contingency is the best way to handle pursuing a deal that you're unsure about. When that same situation happens with off-market deals where you're dealing directly with private sellers, consider using an option agreement instead of a purchase and sale agreement. The way an option agreement works is it's a legally binding contract like a purchase and sale agreement, but it only obligates the seller and not the buyer. There are three main components to an option agreement, and then I'll give you an example. An option needs a price, a period of time, and consideration known as an option fee. For example, let's say I sign an option agreement with a seller for $179,000 for 30 days with a $100 option fee. What that means is the seller cannot sell the property to anyone else for an entire 30 days, and the seller is obligated to sell for $179,000 during that 30 days. That means I have an entire 30 days to buy the property for $179,000, but I'm not obligated to buy it. I have the option to buy it. However, if I don't exercise the option and buy the property for any reason during the 30-day window, I forfeit my option fee, which in this case was $100. And I'll give you my option agreement that I use for free, I'll put the download link in the description below for you. And I'll do even better than that, watch a video where I use an option agreement with a private seller. You'll see the exact conversation I had with the seller on a live call so that you can see it in action. Watch that video now, and if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to my channel. With almost 800 videos, this is the number one channel on YouTube for all things flipping, and I'll see you on the next video.